Well, guys, we made it to the very end of the year. This is the last episode of 2023. And to celebrate, I'm bringing on a special guest. And together, we're going to take our inspiration from Spotify that does a little year-end wrap-up. And we're calling this the 2023 Industrial Marketing Wrapped. And on the episode, we'll be talking about key trends and headlines and just all kinds of marketing stuff that we experienced throughout the year and talk about what we're looking forward to as we look into 2024. Let's do this. Welcome to Content Marketing Engineered, your source for building trust and generating demand with technical content. Here is your host, Wendy Covey. Hi, and welcome to Content Marketing Engineered. On each episode, I'll break down an industry trend, challenge, or best practice in reaching technical audiences. You'll meet colleagues, friends, and clients of mine who will stop by to share their stories. And I hope that you leave each episode feeling inspired and ready to take action. Before we jump in, I'd like to give a brief shout out to my agency, True Marketing. True is a full service agency located in beautiful Austin, Texas, serving highly technical companies. For more information, visit truemarketing.com. And now on with our podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Content Marketing Engineered. And it's not just another episode. It's the last episode of 2023. And here with me is repeat guest and co-conspirator in all things True Marketing, Lee Chapman, who is True's president. Welcome back to the show, Lee. Thanks, Wendy. I'm glad to be here. I can't believe it's already the end of the year. We're wrapping things up. Here we are. And if those of you just listening, you are missing out because Lee and I have our fantastic New Year's virtual backgrounds and we have our champagne and our party clothes on. So cheers, Lee. Cheers. Cheers to wrapping up a successful 2023. And, uh, you know, Recently, Spotify hit us with these wrapped uh, playlists, right? And uh, those were so much fun uh, to see, you know, what type of music we listen to and just a, a quick look back. And, and that was really the inspiration for this, um, this episode today. And so, of course, we're going to wrap up marketing stuff. But before we do, Lee, tell me about your Spotify personalized wrapped playlist. And, and, and I think like the new this year, Spotify even gave us random college towns, <laughs> random college towns. Right. So that I, maps I always, for musical taste. <laughs> I love music. So I'm always listening to Spotify and I look forward to this every year. You get your, like, you know, your wrapped version. And so this year, apparently I spent listening to music that would make me live in Burlington, Vermont. That was my college town. Oh, so gosh. the 1975 was, I think my number one group I listened to. I still live back in the 80s, let's be honest. So U2 was on there, Duran Duran. I did get to go see Duran Duran this year at Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado. That was amazing. So you you went probably deep track to prepare for that. I did. I really, I did. (laughs) I did. So uh, apparently I skewed Burlington, Vermont, but mine I don't think was as interesting as yours was. Tell us about yours. (laughs) I don't know if interesting or just funny, but uh, ironic. Yeah. So the backstory is I grew up in a college town. My dad was a professor at Texas A&M, which is located in College Station, Texas. And this is sort of a spoiler alert here, but my musical tastes (laughs) mimic those at College Station. So I guess you could take the girl out of Aggieland, but not the Aggieland out of the girls. So 
uh, that right. mirrors a lot of uh, not country like mainstream Nashville country, but Texas country, which has a distinctly different vibe to it, in my opinion. So uh, more steel guitars and fiddles and that sort of thing. So I think on mine were Turnpike Troubadours and uh, Randy Rogers and uh, some folks like that. So it was fun. They're learning so much about us. You thought you knew. <laughs> And now you know more. Oh boy. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're well documented out in the digital space. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. Right. Well, just as Spotify look back, we're going to do a look back today on just some of the trends and like, what were we all talking about this past year? What new things were we trying? What were the shifting sands of things that didn't work as well? Um, and I think this will be a helpful episode as we all set our minds forward towards 2024. So Lee, I'll let you get started oh on gosh. the first thing on our list is probably the biggest thing. <sighs> what could it be? What could huh. be number one? Um, could it be AI? I don't oh, know. I that seems so. like that was everywhere this year, starting at the end of December, 2022. Chat GPT popped up on the scene and then it was all you could read about through the early part of the year. And I know for True and a lot of other companies out there really trying to learn everything that we could, trying to test it out, see where it was helpful, where it was weird. We found a lot of instances of those, especially the creepy fingers um, and hands on the imagery. But where we really found that it had some value was in brainstorming and in creating efficiencies. And I think that's where people will continue to kind of lean into it um, as we move forward. But I don't know about you, Wendy, but if, of all the ones that I tried out, I kind of ended up really liking Bard. But in the last couple of weeks, it's been throwing some weird things at me. So uh -oh. I think it's just in the teenage phase where, you know. <laughs> I think they all are, really. I <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm still a Claude girl. And, and okay. it might be because I just kind of set my sights on one and I haven't really kicked the tires lately of the others. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just, um, I just got a new car and, um, you know, you're hit with all these questions about things like, Oh, are you going to get the special extended warranty and the maintenance plan? And, and there's like more and more of these little plans to consider. And it was such great preparation for me to go and have a conversation with this tool and say, should I buy this or not? And why? And, you know, have the aggregated, um, you know, wisdom of what's out there. So I went into it yeah. trusting those answers. I don't know if I should have or not, but it sounded legit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what do you think, yeah. Lee? Um, are we, is, is like humanity going to end in 2024 because of AI? How are you feeling about that side? Of oh my gosh. That's like a whole other podcast, but yeah, no, fair. I, I think, um, you know, I think we'll just continue to see a proliferation of AI tools out there. I think they're going to get more refined, hopefully some safeguards in place. Um, and I think we'll all get better at knowing the right use cases of when to use them, when not to. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good answer. Well, AI not only did a direct disruption of, you know, just generative and all of that, but it also has disrupted search quite a bit, right? Because these search tools are now AI driven and people are going to large language models in order to search. So I feel like that was another, I don't know, close cousin uh, as a trend is the search disruptions. 
And so, um, you know, we've been playing with Google SGE, which has been in experimentation mode, like beta mode. That's going to be, I think, going mainstream early next year. We're watching more and more people originate their searches from other places too, like YouTube and GitHub and Stack Overflow. And so um, it's really impacting where marketers uh, optimize and also where they go to find uh, buyers and prospects. I think there's really been this big overlap, right, between AI coming on, especially in the search realm and uh, Google algorithms changing and exactly what you just said, where are people going to find information? And that's really led to, I know, what you and I have spent some time talking a lot about this year and, and having clients also facing this challenge too, is with this disruption in search, email has been impacted, right? Like just every day you open your inbox and there's all these spammy emails because I think companies are getting sort of desperate, right? There's this desperation um, push right now to make up lost traffic either from AI search or Google algorithm changes. And um, I think too, I've, I've heard a lot of people talking about, oh, well, I got to make up for that traffic. I'm going to go buy a Zoom info list. And you know, mixed results there, right? I mean, there's some, there can be some negative ramifications for emailing folks who've never heard of you, who are very, very cold contacts. Um, but done thoughtfully, it can, it can have some success. So really email, I feel like is another one that's been uh, a little bit up in the air, a little bit of mixed bag this year. Yeah. And and you still, you know, our, our data from a research report shows that, and, and our own clients show that newsletters are still going strong. They're still being open and clicked on. So luckily it, it's not that email is dead, but it's kind of like, you know, during COVID people abused email and it feels like there's some of that abuse coming back because of this search disruption. So it's, I guess, a reminder to all of us that you need to be more creative and think more out of the box than just falling back on the email again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of, a little bit of what's old is new again, right. Too. I know events still coming off of um, being locked in for a few years. I've heard more and more people just saying, wow, events really felt like they were back to pre-pandemic numbers this year. And people really enjoying having that community and being kind of back out in that space. So that's, that's been interesting to see. And I think also in trying to um, gain back some of this lost traffic from organic search, we've seen people taking advantage of new channels um, or going back to old ones. We talked about events, going back to events, but LinkedIn has really come up with some cool new things this year. The sliders are being used a ton. Hey, um, when ad- if people don't know what a slider is, can you describe oh, yeah. that real fast? Sliders. So these interactive kind of graphics. So instead of just having one static image on LinkedIn, you've basically got multiple screens. You can slide to the right um, and share a whole lot more. People have been doing some really new posting sometimes with using some interesting like divider emojis. So instead of just having one sentence, they're really going in depth into having more of this letter format LinkedIn posts. So those posts seem to be working really well for people. Um, I don't know. What have you seen in the world of social media and events? Yeah. Well, on LinkedIn, just people being authentic, people having a voice and a point of view is working really well. Um, you know, people commenting on other posts, but not just, just, 
saying something superficial, but saying something meaningful. And that's a great way to get in, in front of somebody else's community, right? Is to comment on their posts. And I've even heard that putting a link into the comment line is working better than putting links on the post itself. And so we haven't, I think, necessarily test the two, but um, anecdotally, I've heard some people say that. Um, Ooh, and the oh, LinkedIn newsletters. I, you just made me think oh, about yeah. LinkedIn newsletters because you were talking about newsletters still being really effective on email. Right. And this year, I know on our end and for a few clients, we started getting subscribers to a newsletter on LinkedIn and really seeing that be a completely different audience than people who are opted in um, to our email what, uh, email e-newsletter. So that's completely a great way to reach an audience. Lee, yeah. I didn't realize that, huh? Yeah, we compared, um, you know, our database to our people who've opted into our LinkedIn e-newsletter and they're different. So it gives you a new opportunity um, to reach folks that maybe yeah. hadn't reached before. You know, it's interesting. And you got to have good content. But. Yeah, well, definitely. <laughs> I subscribe to someone's newsletter, uh, Chris Penn, who writes a lot about generative AI and I subscribed to his newsletter on email, and then I got an invitation to subscribe to his LinkedIn newsletter, sort of forgetting that I had subscribed to the other one. And so now I get them both, um, but I haven't taken the time to you know, get rid of one or the other because I really like what he has to say, and it's a good reminder to read it. If I miss one, I get the other one. And one of the subject lines has emojis and is written kind of differently. So it almost feels like an A-B test on me. Um, and I'm somehow putting up with it because he has great you know, thoughts and opinions. <laughs> and that's another great thing to try with email, again, of just like trying to keep email fresh of if you've got a tool like HubSpot um, to really take advantage of some of the tools in there to use the A-B testing to learn a little bit more about is your audience responding differently to things. Um, we tried out a couple of those this year too. We were trying to see, for instance, for us, like do emojis and subject lines. How do engineers respond to emojis and subject lines? Um, and it was, it was sort of interesting and it skewed, you know, the younger the engineer, um, the more likely they were to to respond to emojis in subject lines. We don't wanna put emojis everywhere, but in email subject lines seem to work well. Um, the older, the the less likely they were to open the email. So all these little things to keep in mind. So many tools in the marketing toolbox these days. My gosh, yes. Um, well, speaking of, of channels and social, one, one big thing that stands out in 2023 is the implosion of Twitter, I mean X. So uh, it is, it has everybody moved away from it, Lee? What, what are you seeing on the client side and just in the market for B2B? And then the emergence of threads, right? And so oh, that's, yeah. How can that's I a little bit of a, a question. They're sort of related. I feel like both of those kind of happen. We have seen a lot of our clients um, leave X. I think it's just become something that not a, a lot of people want to be necessarily associated with and, and not sure what the value is there. So I think it's become a punchline almost, you know, it has. And I, I think, you know, the, for me, I, I feel like people still call it Twitter. It's having like a brand identity crisis. So <laughs> from a brand strategy standpoint, you know, I'm like, who are you? What are, you know, what is your name today? Media, I think are even having trouble when they uh, talk about X of, of how to cite it. So yeah. Been on. Well, I tell you, in our research report, it scores pretty low as a social channel that technical buyers are turning to. So 
That's a good indicator that it's kind of not something you want to, you know, hang your hat on as your main strategy. That's for sure. I think so. Yeah. Well, what about YouTube? So we've seen YouTube and I know the research kind of bears this out as well. YouTube seems to be continuing to have a year. Video continues to be a top oh tactic. Gosh, so popular. B2B audiences are super into it. And I think the threshold to entry is getting lower, right? There's so many easier tools and ways. Canva, we've been experimenting a lot with Canva videos this year. It makes it really easy to pull together. So I think that is something we'll definitely see continuing on. Yeah. And, and you know what I love is it's across all age groups. So on this one, it isn't just the younger buyers are going to YouTube. It's everyone. And as we've been experimenting with um, Google's SGE, videos are surfacing higher in search results than they are on today's Google. And it so it really indicates how important this is. And, and you know, some of it is, is even as simple as like someone's podcast with sort of a video overlay of audio notes and stuff. It's not even video video, but it's still ranking uh, more highly. So don't ignore video. Yes, I think everybody, you know, again, attention spans uh, are waning and expectations of engagement and interactivity are increasing. Mm -hmm. Kind of back to those LinkedIn sliders. I think that's why those are performing really well because they're a way to have movement and animation without having to go full in on a video. So I think there's another a driver too, and it's when I'm watching the video, I'm more confident that this content and these opinions are actually coming from that person. So Lee Chapman, I'm seeing her face. I'm seeing her talk about this. It's not just written in a blog post with her name on it that could have been, you know, generated by an AI bot or whatever. So the move to authenticity and having that actual person engaged um, is and that's that's a thing, and I think it'll even be a bigger thing when we look at 2024. What do you think, Lee? I do too. I mean, I I have seen some stories out there of um, you know, more with the mainstream news media being concerned about AI being able to generate video based on pulling stuff off the web. So there is mm -hmm. there is that, but I feel like in B two B world, that's not likely to happen. And so for our marketers. I think video is still very much that trusted, authentic resource. Yeah, it, it it feels a little, I don't know. I, I don't worry about that either because I think about uh, the spokes, let's say the technical spokesperson on a particular topic for a company, right? And uh, they're presenting uh, conference presentations and industry mm -hmm. events. And then they're the same person on that video. They, you know, why would the company then put an avatar up? It just, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it happens here and there, but um, yeah, I think for the most part, companies are really looking at um, thought leadership as a yes. brand strategy. How can we get known for topic X with expert Y? And how can we make sure that that expert is um, found in, in as many different channels as possible so that you can build brand authority? Yes, I think that's it. I mean, we're always saying people buy from people, right? And so you have to build up this relationship. Some of that happens from being at these events and conferences in person. And we've definitely seen that make a big uh, difference for those out there. And then, like you said, that I think thought leadership as this wrapper of trust is really a key focus item for, for businesses. 
Yeah. Well, one of the new things in 2023 was Moz came out with a brand authority index. So tell me a little bit about that, Lee. Well, I think we're still trying to learn exactly <laughs> what is comprised in that brand authority score. Fair. But, you know, having a brand metric um, that you can hang your hat on, I think has been sort of elusive um, for many years. And so this being able to go out there and measure you know, your brand presence across LinkedIn, web backlinks. It's just comprised of all these different touch points to kind of show you where you're strong and give you another measure other than all these other little detailed channel metrics. Yeah. So external uh, placement, right? So industry publications and yes. industry organization sites. I mean, it's still obviously digitally grounded because that's where it's finding you. Um, but it's very different than domain authority, which is how well your website is performing. So I really like uh, how um, what what Moz has done is you imagine the X Y axis, right? And on one is domain authority, and the other one is brand authority, and you can measure uh, yourself against your competitors to see how you're doing. And so we've started uh, doing this for our clients so that we can then have an educated conversation about how well they're faring and why, you know, one um, competitor might have better brand authority. It's like, okay, let's look at some of their thought leadership campaigns. What are they talking about? Why do you think they're scoring that way? Where are they found externally? And uh, what is the opportunity to kind of retake ground there? Yeah. And it's super helpful in knowing, like you said, where some gaps are and what you might need to put at the top of your plan in order to help yourself grow in that area. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a feeling 2024, we're going to be talking a lot more about this. <laughs> I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. Well, we at True Marketing also had some celebrations. A big one was it was our 15th anniversary of Yay. us uh, being a, being an agency. So, hey, cheers to that, Lee. Cheers to Maybe that. Bring our glasses. Years. Cheers. Woo. Yeah, that's a big accomplishment. And and you've been here for most of it. So thank you for that. Yeah. Well, it's such a great company. And I think, you know, we we had such a great time. We had a retreat this year. We went to Fort Lauderdale to celebrate our 15th anniversary. And so it's nice to be able to take advantage of, of that. And then another big win, um, we had an additional research report that we did this year, right? We had two resources in one year, two research reports in one year. And a content marketing world award for them. So anyway, yeah. that was congrats on that because I know you spend a ton yeah. of time on True's behalf and with our partners working on those. So that was fantastic yeah. recognition. That was really neat to have, to be able to say award-winning research, but we know that award or not, how important that research has become, not only to us being informed with our clients, but also just to our industry. We've gotten so much feedback of, of the, the benchmarking that we do and just the different insights we provide helps all industrial marketers do their jobs better and I'm really proud that we can contribute back like that. So uh, really cool. And I know what people love about the research is, you know, one of the things we always hear when we're helping clients and companies build their marketing programs is, well, for all this time and money I'm putting into this, what's the ROI? How do I know that the tactics that we're recommending and the channels that we're going to are really going to get us to the, to reaching our goals. And I think this research that we've done, what going on seven years now, um, really we have this nice, 
trend year over year where we can really advise and counsel on the tactics that we know industrial marketers audiences are going to respond to. So it's just, it's been super helpful in so many ways. Um, just such a great, great resource. Yeah. And as an agency, we're committed to just education. And so to that point, I've been on the road quite a lot uh, as has Morgan, uh, a lot, a lot this year, uh, just speaking at various events, whether it was content marketing world or um, um, different internal marketing conferences. We've had some manufacturing organizations have us in electronic components conferences. So um, it's been busy, but it's been just rewarding to have these conversations and feel the pulse for how different industrial marketers are doing things and what they're learning and you know, we always get so much back out of that as well. I agree. And I think an uh, opportunity that we saw this year, and we've seen other um, organizations and companies we've we worked with as well, who do training, seen this too, this thought of master classes, right? And so, um, as you mentioned, you and Morgan have been out there on the road. Uh, Jen, I think even led one of these master classes out on the West Coast, and Aaron was on a panel. So really just this like you said, synthesizing around this education platform. There's so much to learn, like all the things we talked about at the beginning of this call with AI and algorithm changes and social media and video. And so really being able to lean into that felt nice this year. Yeah. And then pretty soon after we ring in the new year, we'll we'll, um, be co-hosting our first ever event that we're you know putting on rather than arriving at somebody else's event with the Industrial Marketing Summit and welcoming all these people to our hometown in Austin, Lee. Are you excited? I'm so excited about it. And you're getting to put your events hat back on for yeah. back in the day. And um, I think it's something we've been talking about for many years of like, should we, what would this look like? And so just the months of planning and prep that have gone into this. And I just keep looking at the speaker lineup, the sponsors. Uh, we're going to dial in some fantastic weather and it's going to be great. Yes. Definitely something to look, you know, look forward to. That. I mean, look, yesterday was, was, was it 70 degrees and sunny and just beautiful. And today is the same. So hopefully this will be a repeating pattern for us uh, come yes. January 31st. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, Lee, as you look to 2024, uh, the summit aside, what should industrial marketers keep top of mind? Yeah, that is such a good one. I think, you know, we talked about it a couple of times here, but really focusing on your brand, having a differentiated brand across multiple channels. I listened to Dale Bertrand on your podcast last week, and he was really giving some great input too. So I'll just take a little bit from Dale there. Marketers really need to be creative and we need to be agile. We need to be trying new things. So it's all these kind of channels and algorithms changing and buyers are changing where they go look for information. I think being able to test some things out, see what works, measure them, tweak and adjust and not go too far all into one basket Um, because I think we are seeing things change, but really having that strong brand voice um, and figuring out where to, where to make up for these lost organic contacts. Okay. I'm ready. Should we do this? One more toast. Goodbye. 2024. Welcome 2024. Cheers, Lee. Cheers. Thanks for joining me today on content marketing engineered. For show notes, including links to resources, visit truemarketing.com slash podcast. 
While there, you can subscribe to our blog and our newsletter and order a copy of my book, Content Marketing Engineer. Also, I would love your reviews on this podcast. So please, when you get a chance, subscribe and leave me your review on your favorite podcast subscription platform. Thanks and have a great day.